You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. 0614104107 and you can also drop me an X at Aldrin Sampia and our studio line is 86 Um We're in conversation next um, with the Tasnim Fredericks, who's the spokesperson for SA Lawyers for Justice. And this is as the ICJ concludes um, listening to applications or rather submissions being made by countries following um, the application that was made by the United Nations General Assembly on the declaration of the unlawfulness of the occupation of various territories um, in Palestine by Israel. So legal arguments continue in the International Court of Justice on Israel's occupation of the Palestinian territories. So far, several countries have made it very clear um, that Israel's occupation of Palestinian territories is unlawful, also adding that it should end immediately. At least uh, 29,514 Palestinians have been killed and uh, 69,616 injured in Israel in, in the Israeli attacks on Gaza since October the 7th. And we now speak uh, to Tasnim. Tasnim, good afternoon. Thank you so much for making time for us. What do you make of all of the submissions that have been made so far? Um, you know, it, it's an unprecedented time in world history. We're at the world court at the moment, um, and we, we've seen since December, um, 19 December, when South Africa courageously, um, you know, stood up as the leader of the free world, um, and 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 was probably best um, situated and best placed to speak on apartheid. I mean, I don't think any other country can speak better um, on this issue, on this topic, as, as, as us as South Africans and, and um, definitely, our, and definitely our government. So um, what we're now seeing this week, um, starting Monday, and I think conclusion is on um, Monday next week, okay. is that we have... Um, the UN General Assembly asking the ICJ to make an advisory opinion, as they have been doing um, on this issue of the illegal occupation of um, of Palestine by Israel. And I think for me, the you know highlight would be the first day when Dr. Riyad Mansour, um, you know, opened with a strong opening and and basically you know broke down in tears. He had a raspy voice and he said, "It's so painful to be Palestinians," uh, but you know, even though. Um, we see this massacre, this ethnic cleansing, this constant oppression and suffocation um, that Palestinians live on a day-to-day basis. You know, part of his address was very reconciliating that he said, you know, that Palestinians want to see a future where there's no Israeli and no Palestinian being killed. You know, two states where um, people live side by side in peace and harmony. And I think that was, you know, for me, that was like really just a, a beautiful moment mm-hmm. that, that, you know, you can be so hurtfully and, and, and oppressed and, and you can have your home de- demolished and, and live with all of these raids and, and, and you know, uh, restrictions on mobility and then still say, you know, yeah. um, but we want to see a, a better future for everyone. Imagine. So that was quite, that was quite something. Yeah. That I, 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 yeah. I, I, I was just looking at the submission that was made a couple of moments ago by um, the senior Qatari diplomat Al Qatani. Um, who said that the credibility of the international legal order depends on the ICJ's opinion, but going as far as saying that some children are deemed worthy of protection while others are killed in their thousands. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that is such that is such a critical point to make, speaking to the credibility of the court. 
I mean, this is not activists that are, you know, that are standing on a street corner waving Palestinian flags, wearing scarves, um, you know, that type of thing. This is a credible mm. um, legal institution. I mean, this is the court of courts. You know, this is the, the highest court for human rights. And for this court to pronounce, like it pronounced on the 26th of January, um, that there is plausible evidence of a genocide was such an important turning point to shift um, the imbalance, imbalance and to shift this you know, um, disassociation from, from Israel being an apartheid regime, from being occupier, um, and, and, you know, taking it beyond this, but our right to defend. I mean, the court has pronounced that even, even in defending yourself, you cannot commit a genocide. Mm-hmm. So there were quite important points made, and I think this court, some, you know, has to follow what it's been doing. And in fact, Alden, in 2004, the ICJ made a ruling on uh, the, the illegality of the war. And Israel has just been in defiance of international law. And I think its credibility as a member state is now in the balance. Its credibility as a democracy um, is now in the balance. I mean, we saw on Wednesday Netanyahu's Knesset, the parliament voting against the establishment of a Palestinian state. While, you know, as you, you hear testimonies being repeated one after the other, Palestinians are saying they're looking at a two-state solution. Other countries are talking about a two-state solution. And here you have Israel in its highest uh, body, you know, making parliament saying, we're never going to have that. This is from a right-wing settler party that Netanyahu leads. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's almost like they're pronouncing in advance that they're not going to listen to the ICJ. And I think that is important for the world to note. And I don't see how the U.S. can still be um, backing a country that is so belligerent, that is basically now becoming mm. a banana republic, if you ask me. For, for me, what's also interesting, uh, Tasneem, is you, so you watch the proceedings that are happening at the United Nations Security Council and the rules are followed to the T. Um, the state that has veto power is able to stop a a resolution, for instance, like the United States, mm-hmm. like the United States has done. But there's also rules when it comes to international law. But why can't those who are actually exercising the power of the rule of law also insist that the rule of law must also be um, followed by their allies? Absolutely, Arden. And I mean, I thought, I thought that after the the ruling of an interim, we do know that this is the first time Israel is being held to account. They need to come back um, to the court and then, you know, defend um, the, this genocide case against themselves. So that, that in itself is historical because they've never been held accountable. But more importantly, I mean, to your point where you say, um, you know, why are they getting away basically with murder and why are other states not being able to ensure that because, I mean, what are we actually talking about? We're talking about adhering and following established international law that yeah. all member countries are supposed to uh, comply and obey. And, and I think, to me, the answer would have been on the 26th of January when the court, when the ICJ ruled that there was plausible evidence for a genocide. I would have expected, and I did see quite a number of countries coming forward and expelling um, the, the Israeli ambassadors in their countries and also really looking at you know, obviously diplomatic relations, and then also um, the trade with Israel. You cannot appeal to Israel on a humanitarian level. Uh, the program of ethnic cleansing goes back, you know, further than 1917, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, how do you put pressure, moral pressure, legal pressure, on a country like Israel yep. that is so belligerent? You need to tell them we're not doing business with you anymore, exactly like we did 
to end uh, and dismantle apartheid in South Africa. Yeah, and so of course this, Israel is denying that um, that this is ethnic cleansing. So, sorry, Tasnim, I just need to quickly squeeze in this question before we go to the news headlines. Sure. Um, sure. I saw the statement that you released um, on calling on the NPA to prosecute Arik Maslawi, who is a member of the IDF, um, Israeli Defense Force. Is there any legal, I don't know, is there any legal prescript that um, that the NPA can rely on to to push for a prosecution of somebody that has committed a crime somewhere else but is currently in South Africa for vacation, allegedly? Yeah, so just a quick correction. It's not the Israeli defense forces, the Israeli occupier forces, because they, they're not defending anything, they're occupying. Um, and, and well, he's, he's, a, he's a member of the IDF, isn't he? Yeah, but it's, it's actually the IOS. It's not really the ID if you look at it. So much lower. Mm-hmm. Anyway, semantics aside, you're asking me a very uh, you know, legitimate question, and we have written to the NPA and the Director of Public Prosecutions calling on our government to arrest Arik Maslawi and to rely on um, the, the Foreign Military Assistance Act as well as the um, implementation of the Rome Statute um, of the International Criminal Court Act. We have previously prosecuted... Um, war criminals from Israel in South Africa. There's the uh, Gaza docket. Um, there's quite a few. There's a number of attorneys um, in South Africa that are currently working on these prosecutions. Obviously, they take time. Um, it is uh, uh, at the attention of the uh, DPP, and uh, we also await further action. And mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, the arrogance um, and the, absurd, uh, the absurdity to come to a country that is leading a charge of genocide and then you know, uh, going on social media and advertising your role and how, you know, making a joke of a genocide is, is just, you know, it's, it's beyond gross and, and it needs to, be, needs to be brought to book. And we need to be clear on our position as South African citizens that we are not going to tolerate war criminals in our country. Tasnim, thank you so much for your time. Tasnim Fredericks is the spokesperson for SA Lawyers for Justice.